0: Please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Within a few short days of the shooting of nine black people during a Wednesday night Bible study at Mother Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina, family members of those killed were speaking words of forgiveness. And there has been an enormous public response to these words of forgiveness, a response which continued for quite some time, I saw article after article, commentary after commentary that came across my newsfeed online. Many responses praised the faith and generosity of people who could speak words of forgiveness to someone who was motivated by such hate, someone who had so brutally and deliberately killed their loved ones. Some people responded by speaking about why they would not forgive the killer. And some people went so far as to question the family members who offered such forgiveness. Some people questioned how sincere or deep that forgiveness could be. And some questioned whether the family members' responses were appropriate. One of the hallmarks of this information age is that many of us are inundated with information. Articles, commentary, perspectives. The internet is a seemingly unlimited source of information and comment. Many of these conversations speak to matters of faith or spirituality. And these online conversations, as well as the conversations in more traditional media, like newspapers or magazines or television, can be very lively. So I've decided to use these public conversations, these spirited conversations, as the basis for sermons this summer. And you can help shape future sermon topics by sending me links of things you've been reading that relate to faith and spirituality and such conversation in the public sphere, and I may choose one of those things for another summer sermon. I called today's sermon Forgiveness again because I have preached on forgiveness in this church before, and perhaps it will not be the last time. Forgiveness may be one of the most challenging teachings of the Christian faith. I think it is difficult to really understand what forgiveness means and what it looks like in practice. And even if we think we know what it looks like, forgiveness is very difficult to practice. And it is challenging enough and complicated enough that it can be difficult even to embrace the concept of forgiveness, even to want to forgive. Over the course of my thinking and reading this week, I have also realized that the topic of forgiveness is really too big for one sermon. So for today, I'm addressing only limited aspects of forgiveness. For today, I am looking at forgiveness as practiced by humans and considering it from the perspective of the one who is doing the forgiving, the one who has been wronged and is in a position to forgive. Which means that for today, I'm not going to talk much about how God forgives, and I'm not going to talk much about when we are the one who has sinned, when we are in need of forgiveness even though those aspects of forgiveness are important to us too. The recent public conversation about forgiveness has focused on particular Christians who have spoken words of forgiveness to one who committed a grievous sin, who committed an evil act. So that shapes my focus today. In light of this public conversation, I want to focus on a very religious understanding of forgiveness, in our case, a Christian understanding. This may seem obvious to think of forgiveness from a religious perspective, may seem like that goes without saying, but I don't think it does. Because when I listen in on the public conversation about forgiveness, I hear religious teaching and practice mixed up with questions of politics and social structures and questions of justice and accountability. And I have become convinced that this mixing confuses our Christian understanding of forgiveness rather than clarifying it. So I want to embrace an understanding of forgiveness as a spiritual practice rooted in the teachings of the Bible and the Christian faith. And again, we here are operating in a Christian context, and that's the context I know. But virtually every world religion includes teachings and practices related to forgiveness. Christians understand spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines to be those things we can do that help nurture our own faith, our own spirituality, our own relationship with God. So I am looking at forgiveness as a spiritual practice. The word practice suggests an ongoing process, and I think this may be what Jesus was really getting at when he instructed his disciples to forgive over and over again. Some, some translations say 77 times. Many say 70 times 7 times. Now, 70 times 7 times is a lot of practice, and I think that may be what it takes to cultivate the ability to forgive. Since I am looking at, at forgiveness as a spiritual practice, I'm not going to evaluate the use of forgiveness in the public conversation on racism. I am very much persuaded by those writers who say that when the media focuses overly much on forgiveness, It can serve to distract us from the important and necessary conversations about the deep and insidious nature of racism in the United States. At worst, it can distract us from the important work of unlearning racism and the important work of dismantling structures that perpetuate racial inequality and reinforce racist ideology. So I think it's very fair to challenge and critique the way forgiveness is used in public conversation on racism in the United States. But I think it's important to separate that from our exploration of the spiritual practice of forgiveness. I think it's important to separate that from our response to individuals whose faith moves them to practice forgiveness or to strive for forgiveness. When I look at forgiveness from a radically faith-based understanding, I want to start by separating that understanding from the many ways of defining or understanding forgiveness that we hear in this public conversation, popular understandings that I think obscure a religious understanding. Here is some of what I have heard in this public conversation. Some understandings or assumptions that I think are important to challenge or to question when we look at forgiveness as a spiritual practice taught in the Bible and by the Christian faith. I hear an assumption that forgiveness means excusing or overlooking the harm that has been done to us that it somehow means saying that everything is okay. I do not believe that that's what forgiveness is. I hear an assumption that forgiveness means that there is not accountability for the perpetrator, and along with that, no consequences for their actions, as if forgiveness means to absolve a person of their sin or their crime. I do not believe that's what forgiveness is. I hear an assumption that forgiving requires forgetting what has happened. I don't believe that's what forgiveness is. And along with forgetting, I hear an assumption that forgiveness requires somehow that we set aside our feelings of grief or anger or rage. I do not believe that this is what forgiveness is. I hear an assumption That forgiveness is something that should only be granted to those who deserve it, or should only be granted when the sinner has repented and made atonement for their crime, for their sin. And I don't believe that's how forgiveness works. So now that I've said a whole lot about what forgiveness as a Christian spiritual practice is not, what is forgiveness? How does it work, or what does it look like? What if the lens of faith leads us to understand forgiveness in this way? What if to say, I forgive you, really means your sin is not for me to hold? I am setting that burden down. You have wronged me, you have sinned against me, you have done harm but your sin is not for me to hold. I am setting that burden down. If forgiveness as commanded by Jesus and taught by the Christian faith is indeed a spiritual practice, if forgiving someone who has wronged you does have the potential and power to contribute to your spiritual growth and nurture your relationship with God, then forgiveness does not require any of those things I listed above in talking about popular assumptions. We can engage this spiritual practice. We can say, Your sin is not for me to hold. I do think that letting go the burden of holding on to that sin someone has perpetrated against you can offer a victim freedom and healing and peace. And for a moment, apart from a religious understanding of forgiveness, there is also a large body of work from psychology that suggests that this is true. To look at forgiveness as a spiritual practice is to focus on what it does for the person practicing forgiveness, the person who finds himself or herself able to forgive. And this definition from this specific spiritual and religious way of understanding forgiveness then has nothing to do with the perpetrator. It has no interest in the impact on the perpetrator because it is about the spiritual life of the victim, the person who may choose to practice forgiveness. This is why forgiveness and accountability are not mutually exclusive because it is not about the accountability of the perpetrator. Forgiveness neither releases the perpetrator from accountability nor weighs in on their accountability. By my religious definition, these are separate and unrelated questions. So when we forgive, we do not overlook or excuse the harm that has been done. We simply choose not to hold that burden. We say, Your sin is not for me to hold. I am setting that burden down. We can forgive someone while also taking steps to stop them from continuing their harm. We can forgive someone while also holding them accountable and enforcing consequences. We can forgive someone and still remember and examine the wrong that has been done, and can still have the full range of emotional response from grief and sadness and hurt to anger and rage. We can do all of this and say, I forgive you. Your sin is not for me to hold. I am setting that burden down. And we can practice forgiveness in the face of a perpetrator who in no way deserves forgiveness because it is not about that person. It is about the spiritual life of the victim. So my choice to forgive is not dependent on the perpetrator doing the work of repentance and atonement. This also means that my choice to forgive does not in itself offer healing to the perpetrator. Repentance and atonement on the part of the perpetrator does not earn and it does not require my forgiveness But it is necessary if that perpetrator is to have any hope of healing for their soul. But that is not the concern of the victim. Questions of the perpetrator's soul are not directly tied to a victim's choice to forgive. We may say to someone who does not at all deserve it, I forgive you. Your sin is not for me to hold. I am setting that burden down but my setting that burden down does not lighten the burden of sin on the perpetrator. There's one more piece that's integral to my Christian religious understanding of forgiveness. Scripture in general and instructions from Jesus in particular place responsibility on us for forgiveness. The biblical directive to forgive makes it sound like forgiveness is an act we can choose, is something we humans can will. And I'm not sure what to make of this, because in my own experience, forgiveness is as much a gift of the grace of God as it is something I could will. There are times when I have been hurt and I have wished to forgive someone and I couldn't find it in me. And there are times when I felt justified in withholding forgiveness, and yet somehow felt God's spirit move me toward forgiveness in a way that did not just come from me. So I'm not sure how to make sense of that, with Jesus' instruction that we are responsible for this. But my own personal conviction is that the ability to forgive is a gift of God's grace just as much as it is something we can will ourselves to do. And this contributes to my conviction that we cannot judge another person when they do forgive or when they do not forgive. It may not be entirely within their power. So I'm proposing that we look at forgiveness specifically as a spiritual practice, one that is rooted in the Bible, in the teachings of Jesus, and in the Christian tradition. So we may appropriately wonder whether forgiveness is an an inappropriate framework for public conversations on racism in the United States. These conversations need to focus on the hard work of justice. If the language or the framework of forgiveness functions as a way to avoid that hard work, then we need to really question using forgiveness in that way. But we cannot question the practice of forgiveness when practiced by earnest people of faith for whom that is part of their spiritual journey. It is simply not our place to weigh in on that. I have to admit that I come to the end of this sermon feeling a bit dissatisfied. I started this sermon by saying that forgiveness is too big a topic for one sermon. That it is. I would have liked to get more into some of the specific things that have been said and written in response to the events in Charleston. I will say for those of you who don't know it, that when I put out my sermon manuscripts that are posted on our website. I put footnotes for the sources that I've referred to, so if you are interested in more of that, you can find those there. I would like to do more examination of what the Bible says about forgiveness. I'd like to consider what it's like when we are on the receiving end of forgiveness or when we are in need of forgiveness. I'd like to look at the forgiveness that comes from God apart from human effort to forgive. And for those of you who are regulars here, you know that I have already gone on longer than I most normally do. So consider this sermon one limited piece of a much larger and continuing conversation. By the grace of God, we are invited to forgive. As a spiritual practice rooted deeply in the Christian faith, May we grow in our understanding of this gift and may we honor the faith of those who practice forgiveness. Amen.